Hi, this is Joe Bonamassa from New York City, and you're listening to The Itch right here on Podcast World. You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we are scratching the itch for an economics lesson. About a 30-minute one is really what it turned out to be. (laughs) We had a chance to speak with our second legendary blues rock guitarist in the span of about six weeks or so, and that is one Joe Bonamassa. And let me just tell you right off the bat that the man knows the ins and outs of not just music, not just that blues and that guitar, but the business. (laughs) Yes. It was very educational conversation. Yeah, definitely unexpected, but I always love learning new stuff, that's for sure. And it was one of those interviews, yet again, where we only had him for a short amount of time, and uh, he just kind of played the blues on the questions and just kind of went <laughs> went in his own direction. And It's all about riffing. Yeah, we had to, we had to follow him and, and see where he was going. <laughs> it was cool, though. Again, I mean, it's a guy who's been in the business for quite a while and sold a lot of records and won a lot of awards. So I think it's pretty fair to say that he knows what he's talking about. And with those kind of guests, there just is so much ample opportunity to learn about the music industry, which is absolutely one of our goals as interviewers and as just curious humans when we do these conversations. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that you'll get from this interview is Joe is just a well-rounded person. He likes to talk about whatever's on his mind, and he likes to give back a lot. And those are two things that he does very well. <laughs> That's really one of the things that most drew me to wanting to speak with him is that I appreciate an artist that has not only found success, but found a way to continually look out for other artists and find ways to give back in that regard and to develop a next generation of musicians. And the things that he does with developing music education for kids and whatnot. And also during the pandemic, some of the things he was working on that we'll talk about in the interview to help keep musicians afloat in a time when it was tough to do. That stuff is very valuable and just means a lot outside of just being a phenomenal guitarist. Yeah, he's just a wealth of knowledge. And we could go on and on talking to him (laughs) all day, to be honest. Joe's new album, Blues Deluxe Volume 2, is out now. It is a sequel of sorts to kind of, I don't know if we call might call it his breakthrough album, Blues Deluxe. And I always think it's fascinating when artists decide to sort of follow up previous works, especially like a couple decades later. And so he just kind of wanted to test himself and see like how his chops had developed since then. And so that's pretty fascinating. And uh, again, to Casey's point, he said we could talk to him all day. We will talk about Joe more before this year is out because we are planning to go see him perform live and see some of these these tracks in person. Definitely excited for that. It's going to be at the Fox Theater and it's just going to be a great atmosphere for a what's going to be, I'm sure, going to be a great concert. He'll be on tour until early December and then resuming again in the spring in late February. So you will have ample opportunities to go see him live. And we are definitely looking forward to doing that here next month. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Joe Bonamassa. Every day the same dog on 
We're here with the living legend, Joe Bonamassa, and super excited to chat with you about all the stuff you have going on. It's been 20 years since the release of your best-selling album, Blues Deluxe. So you're coming out with a Blues Deluxe Volume 2, coming out October 6th, and it'll feature some original tracks and new cover songs. What was the decision process to choose those songs for this release? Well, we wanted to stay off the the well-worn pathways of the blues, you know? It's easy to get kind of like, well, I just want to do this song, I want to do that song. Well, then you look and 50 other people have done it or, you know, it's a well-worn, some of these things are well-worn paths. And we wanted to, Josh Smith and I really wanted to stay off that and pay tribute to the spirit of the first album without just copying it. You know, some people think it's actually just, I just re-recorded the songs. No, I didn't. I just, we did another volume. So yeah, with that said, it's um, it, it's it's very. Um, I'm proud of the record, and I'm proud of it. And you know, the the thing about Blues Deluxe, the first one, the reason why it's not it's not called Volume One because there was no guarantee there'd be Volume Two, mm-hmm. right? And we were that was pretty much it. And I'm not I'm I'm not sure if it's our best selling album. I, I don't I don't know this. I mean, you know, I always tell people, you know, I'm nine times platinum. But it only took me 45 tries to get there, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's especially now it's streaming and everything. I, I don't even want to get into all of it. I mean, it's like we're in the free sample business. You know? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're like the Land of Lakes guy at, <laughs> or the Pepperidge Farm guy at, 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 at Kroger at the end of the aisle with the, the sausages and Triscuits. You know, <laughs> If you want to know the, where the music business is at, that's that's where we're at. You know, try my free sample. Pretty please with sugar on top. <laughs> that's an entire conversation right there. Yeah, well, that's that's the truth of the matter. I mean, if you're if I mean, even if you're established artists like we are, and and by the way, I don't think my myself is two people. It's just like I consider the entity. You know, right. there's Bonamassa, and I separate this from the other guy. And um, so I guess there are two, but uh, <laughs> so. You know, I mean, you get like, if you're lucky, you get 0.005 cents per stream. If you're lucky, most lesser acts get 0.003. And I mean, yeah, tens of millions that adds up. But if you're just trying to sell a record and make sense of a record, it doesn't. Because records cost the same as they did 20 20 years ago, you know? Mm -hmm. The difference is Warren Haynes put it to me one time, and I, I thought it was the the, the absolute the, the the best way I've I've heard the record business describe it. Twenty years ago, everything had an extra zero before the decimal point. You know, like if you if you if you sold three hundred thousand records, you could spend three hundred thousand dollars on on the record and take six months and do it right. Now. You just lop the zero off, remove the decimal point one to the left. Now you're 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 hoping to sell thirty thousand records and and have a budget of thirty thousand dollars to spend on the record. I mean, it's it's really down to that, and it's it's sad because it takes a whole swath of the business away for artists to to fund other adventures and fund themselves. You know, it's like you know most artists. You know, when I came up, you 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 know I, I had a major label deal, and you needed a major label deal to impress people that you didn't like at parties you didn't want to go to. And it's like, well, I'm on Epic or I'm on Sony or I'm on Atlantic, blah, 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 blah. And you're, you're sitting around 
talking this nonsense with people you don't like at a party that you don't want to be at. So at least that's in my case. And, and if you said, well, you know, what label you want? It's like, well, I, 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 I'm on my own label, JNR Adventures. People are always like, oh, obviously he's unsignable. <laughs> you know, but now everybody and their mothers got their their own label because they, they you know, and with Blues Deluxe, the first volume, that was our first adventure being uh, uh, on our, our our own label for no other reason than nobody would sign us. Yeah, and we didn't want to wait around trying to trying to work the town, trying to get another record deal. After I was dropped from Sony, and that to me was the beginning of what we would call like our building our business model and that that included records promotion marketing concerts merchandise everything coming in under one roof it seems like the idea nowadays is really just to release the music so that you can get people to come see you live right which you know your your reputation precedes you you're one of the best live and i know i believe your fall tour begins october 23rd and yeah we have the chance to see you at the fabulous fox in st louis on november 11th you just wrapped up a summer tour, which included the first ever performance at the Hollywood Bowl, performed alongside an orchestra. And the show was actually filmed for your next live release, which is due out next year. Yeah. It's so cool that this far into a very storied career, you're still finding ways to experience first. Was this also your first time playing with an orchestra? First time playing with the orchestra. Uh, David Campbell conducted it. It was the uh, parts of the LA Phil. Um, I think we were 45 or 50 piece with everybody up, up there. So it was a big band. And the thing about the orchestra was, is it's, it's, it's very exacting. They, they're not improvised, but they're following the chart. And if you go with, if you don't go with the chart, they're going with the chart and it, it's, a, it would be a train. But I'm, I'm happy to say that we, we hit all the marks and um, it was a real honor, you know, to do over 10,000 people in, in, in my hometown, you know, where I live in Los Angeles, I live a stone's throw from the Hollywood bowl. And, uh, you know, that was pretty, pretty cool. I shouldn't say hometown because I don't really have a hometown from upstate New York. Yeah. And, and if I say hometown and the words Los Angeles, the, the California taxation department will be, be <laughs> knocking at my front door, <laughs> which they shouldn't be. I'm totally legit. <laughs> so quick question about the orchestra thing. Is that is that completely different world for you since you just play the blues and kind of go on your own path? Well, we've orchestrated things on records before. Okay. We've had orchestras on records, but we never live. Yeah. So it's cool to hear stuff on your records. It's like, look at all these strings. I mean, like the Blues Deluxe Volume 2, we have, I mean, 24-Hour Blues is a full orchestra, basically. It was just a small format orchestra that we stacked. Yeah. Um, as opposed to calling all 72 pieces. Your budgets, remember, dropping that zero conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at the end... Uh, We've done orchestras before. We just never did um, did it live. So that was a really nice. It was a really nice treat. I'll tell you what the orchestras don't like is loud guitar. Yeah. Josh and I were kind of persona non grata. We had to push our rigs off stage. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. <laughs> so we sometimes call ourselves music cheerleaders. Yeah. Because ultimately, what we love to do with the show is to to advocate for music and musicians. And right. one thing that really drew us to you is that we have that in common. So I wanted to kind of touch on some things that you're doing within your nonprofit, the Keeping the Blues Alive Foundation. Right. So that itself, it's funding scholarships, it's music education for for schools, and then within that, you also have the Fueling Musicians program. Right. And as we we're talking a little bit before we formally started here, 
life is different, you know, with the pandemic having happened. And and this program works to support touring musicians who, you know, were unable to make a living during the pandemic. So right now, you know, the means that artists have to make a living is a recurring topic throughout our episodes. And even though tours and live music have been back for a minute now, they're still different and they're still constantly kind of changing with regards to the cost of travel, venue relationships and merch cuts, things like that. So I'm curious with feeling musicians, what do you see as the next steps for that program moving further from, you know, the heat of the pandemic? Well, we've, we've pivoted, uh, you know, feeling musicians, we raised over three quarters of a million dollars. Uh, we gave away over 400 packages to musicians of all, of all ilks. Like it wasn't just blues. Yeah. Um, you know, that people just sign up and get a $1,500 check. Why $1,500? You know, call me old fashioned. I wanted to beat the government. You know, government's <laughs> twelve hundred bucks, which I never got. Thank you very little. <laughs> and uh, fine, I didn't need it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, 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 I honestly, I, I would have given the money to somebody else. Literally. Yeah. I've been lucky in my career. So the thing is, the feeling musicians thing it was it was like because you know the whole thing shut down so so rapidly brick walls yeah and so it brick walls anybody who popped their head up and said hey i'm gonna do they're, they're letting us do shows in texas was immediately shouted down by the peanut gallery for being grandmother killers and super spreaders so you had that so thousands of musicians who have never historically been the most fiscally responsible people. Right. Okay. End up with a huge case of WFT. <laughs> and they're like, well, my light bills are piling up and I don't know how I'm going to like, I got a family, I got this. And my, my main source of income is by touring in the summer, which is now not happening. So, I sat there and I was thinking about this and 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 I said, you know, we got to do something. We got to take this keeping the blues alive thing and do something with it. And we just did these live streamathons, which were great. Our office worked really hard. And a lot of our keeping the blues alive alumni from our cruises were generous enough to record themselves on Zoom or whatever and send us a track. And we do these 12 hour streamathons. And I would have to, you know, we'd spend, you know, half a day and like, hi, this is Joe Bonamassa. And, Welcome to the Keeping the Blues Live Streamathon, and here's Larkin Pope, you know, and you know, so I'm like Jerry Lewis, in a sense, and we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, in increments of five to five thousand, people like um, uh, Chicago Music Exchange came in, donated gear, money, uh, Volkswagen, Fender, Gibson, Ernie Ball, Music Man. I mean, all these all these corporate sponsors, and we ended up raising a lot of money in the height of donation fatigue because, you know, everybody, everybody and their mother was soliciting funds for something. Yeah. So, and we gave it all away. As soon as it came in, it gave it all away. And, and to, to this day, people just randomly from bands that you've heard of come up to me at the airport. They see me in the airport. It's like, Hey man, I just never got to thank you for that $1,500 check. I'm like, hey, listen, that's what it's there for. And if you ask me what the what I'm most proud of in my my career, it's that it's it's mm. that it wasn't like you know I sat up on the hill with my guitar collection and and just said well I'm just gonna wait this out. 
No, we got to work and we we actually did something that helped change people's lives. Now, is $1,500 life-changing money? No, it's not like, it's not the 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 Bonamassa's Powerball lottery, okay? You're not going to, you're not set for life. But $1,500 released some steam from that, from that valve that was the financial pressures on musicians were, were adding up. And now we're back and, and, and doing stuff. So which is, which is great. Well, on behalf of those artists, we'd like to, to thank you for, for doing that. Well, thank you. It's, it's, I would do it all over again if I had to. I, I hope I don't have to do it all over again, but, but <laughs> right, right. I would do it all over. Well, keeping with that topic and speaking with artists, we've learned a lot about how difficult it is to navigate the music industry. You and your longtime manager, Roy Weissman, recently launched Journeyman LLC, a company for independent artists that act as artist management, a concert promoter and a record label. It really seems you guys are trying to look to provide resources on all fronts of a very complex and cutthroat industry. So we just love this concept. We'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're currently up to with it. Well, we have two artists on the on the label. It's uh, Joanne Shaw Taylor and Robert John on the wreck. And and the beta test for the model is you're looking at it. Okay, so in 2003, we started our label. Remember that conversation about parties and people you don't like and places you don't want to go? Well, we started <laughs> our label. And over the course of the years, we we consciously vertically integrated the business. Meaning that I don't have an agent. I have an agent, but 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 only for festivals. Yeah, I have one here and one in in London. Okay, but as far as booking the fabulous Fox in St. Louis, we did that. We promote that show. Yeah, all the merchandise is in house. Everything's in house, and that's the way to to thrive in today's music business, especially for artists that are not Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay. Because there's there's the iconic class, there's the the ones that fly in rarefied air, the the I call them the haves or the chosen ones. They get all the media, all the this or that. And it, I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying that there's 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 artists that just right off the bat get get the heat. They know the they know the the they navigate the traditional music business, and the music business is set up for artists like them. I did read an article that the, they're, they're moaning that that there's not enough superstars anymore, that they haven't been able to cultivate the, the next Taylor Swift or the next blah, blah, blah. Well, look around. TikTok, baby. It, you know, yep. you want you want to put your, you want to you encapsulate your career in one minute? Congratulations. Now there's, <laughs> there's no more Michael Jacksons. So just live with it. Um, <laughs> yep. You reap what you sow. Anyway, so on this journeyman thing, so it's set up for artists that have fans that, that have momentum in their building to, to vertically integrate their business so they thrive financially as well as artistically. They can make records when they want to. They, they can put out a T-shirt when they want to. They can tour when they want to. They don't have to do anything because there's other sources of income that are not normally on the table when you when you participate in the traditional music model. Mm-hmm. We are we are wrapping up our, our time here. Um, we have a couple more minutes if you want to. If you, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we usually do a, bur- a burning questions. We have one question, at least one question that we ask everybody. So I'll give it to you um, since we do have a, just a minute here. What's a, a song or an album that changed your life? Uh, John Mayo and the Blues Breakers, the Beano album. That that was the one. That was my gateway to the blues. I went through London to mm-hmm. get to Chicago. Yeah, I, I was in my 
and and John Mayall needs to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like it's ASAP. He's 87 years old or 86 years old. He deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've been advocating for this for a hundred years. Uh there's there's a list of people that are just glaring omissions. But John Mayall, his First, you know, the first three that, you know, Bino, the hard row with Peter Green, the one after that with uh, Mick Taylor. I mean, like, you know, poor John couldn't keep a guitar player. Stones would recruit Mick Taylor, Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green, Cream with Clapton. You know, it's like yeah. he couldn't keep a guitar player. He even said that to me. But no, that 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 one changed my life. Well, we we appreciate your time. And we that touches perfectly on a big thing for us. We appreciate that you as someone who has had so much success all the different ways that you're turning around and using that platform, those finances, your time and energy, all of that to continue to support the industry in general, the musicians, the artists. So yeah, thank you for that for from us. Well, anytime. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, congrats on the show. Hopefully one of these days that you all can get in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on it. Next steps. Yeah. Yeah, baby steps, you know. Yeah, yeah. Your broadcast, right. you know. Um, you know, I, I like your plant. You know, it's it's a it, it's, <laughs> you know, it's you fake your, anyway. Your, your closet, I can see. <laughs> I forgot to close the closet. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I normally have a neon sign that says Nerdville Gotham, but we have a transformer that's out, so that's that's being worked on today. So uh, so I apologize for not having the proper backdrop. Another time, yeah, you can have your your sign. I'll have my closet closed. We'll be all good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have you back and talk uh, talk more about Simpsons stuff as well. I can I can do a whole hour on that. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. we're ready for it. Yeah, another time. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for joining us on the show, and thank you very much for listening to the Itch Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Casey, and I'm Aaron. I'm Joe, and he's Joe. And until next time. Every day is the same doggone thing, 24-hour blues. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the itch. Check out the show notes for links about the episode, as well as our new music playlist and where you can hear us every Sunday night. And you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S.